Well, praise God. We want to take a moment as a church family and make our confession of faith on a few of the things that we're believing God for this year, right? Jesus said, speak to the mountain, right? Believe that what you say will come to pass. Don't doubt in your heart and he will have whatever he says. Amen. So we want to voice some of the things that we're believing God for this year. So amen. We'll put these confessions on the screen. I'll lead us. And uh, the first one is uh, over the assignment to finish this building, the construction of this building. Amen. And uh, I don't, can you see that, everybody? Okay, so praise God. Ready? Read. Father, we gladly commit to the work of finishing in 2021. We call for the favor, the grace, the time, the finances, all that will be needed. I thank you, Father, for blessing me and all that is in my hand, that I may have both bread for food and seed for sowing. We agree together in faith as we call the building finished, furnished, and full of precious people. Amen? Amen. We're going to do three of these today. So go to confession slide number three, if you would. Hallelujah. We are believing. You know, God's a God to increase. The only reason we're still down here on the earth is because God's got more family to be added to the kingdom. And so we're believing for the doubling of our Sunday morning attendance. You take a breath if you need to. You ready? <laughs> speak. That, let your heart agree as you speak these words. Ready? Read. Father, we speak to the north, south, east, and west and say, give up God's sons and daughters, all those precious ones, that God has assigned to our fellowship. They are coming from near and from far. Thank you for drawing the hungry, those that fit with us, adding to your church daily them who are being saved. Our hearts are open. We are ready to receive and serve them. Do you believe it? I believe it. Let's do one more. Praise God. The fourth slide, please. And we are believing... To, we're calling that debt, the remaining little bit debt on that church sign out there, paid. Amen. Ready? Read. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Therefore, we call the sign paid in full. We call for the money to come. We believe we receive it. And we thank you for the supply to retire that debt in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now listen, you have a top 10 too, right? You got to get it out and say it every day. Glory to God. And we're celebrating some things. I heard, I heard that our sound and technical director, Brother Mark, was offered and accepted a job. He'd been believing for it. He had a job, but he got a better job. Amen. Praise God. They just told me they are car shopping. Yeah. Is that right, Brother Mark? Amen. And is it a, is, is what you said double? Double. Glory. Round about double. Hey, that'd be pretty good. I'd be excited about that. So anyway, let us know as you cross those things off your list, as those things come to pass, we want to give you a chance to testify uh, about those things. Well, turn to your Bible this morning. Let's get into the word a little bit. Amen. Praise God. We encourage people that come and attend, bring your Bible. Amen. And we really like the paper Bibles. Amen. And because uh, cell phones die, batteries go bad, then what are you going to do? Right? And uh, so anyway, or your electronic Bible is fine. Whatever floats your boat. 
And uh, Matthew chapter 16, excuse me, Matthew 16, and uh, we're going to get in the Word. Hallelujah. Father, we look to you and we ask you to help us today. Help me, Father God, as the minister to feed the people in an anointed, clear, concise way from a heart of love. Let the words that are spoken be your words and not my words. Your thoughts, not my opinion. And Lord, I thank you for the anointing and grace on the people to draw and to grab hold and to receive. And we remind ourselves, Father, of who gets the blessing. James tells us it's not the hearer of the word that's blessed, but the doer of the word that's blessed. And so we decide up front again today to be doers of that which we hear. If pastor teaches us something, he's got scriptures to back it up. Then we commit in advance to be faithful doers of what we hear. Because we know as we do, we shall be blessed. Be glorified, Father, in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's uh, been a little bit now. And, uh, but we've been in a series, I believe, at the Lord's direction. This is what His Spirit is emphasizing to us. And that is all things related to the local church. Hallelujah. Uh, the local church has such a high and vital place in all of our lives. And uh, some of the guys and I, we were talking last night, just so little teaching out there, you know, on what, what is the local church? What constitutes the church? You know, a lot of people, and just they're thinking, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying the way we get into a mode of thought sometimes, don't we? And when we hear church, we think church, we think it's a Sunday thing. You know, it's something that we get up and we go do for a little bit and it's part of our life, yeah, and, and we go and we do it and then it's over and then it's, we just go on about, no, no, we are the church. Yeah. Amen. You know, you, the local church isn't disbanded and suspended when I say you're dismissed. Right. You're the church. You're a vital living member of the church when you go to work, when you go home, when you're driving your car. And you've got the kingdom of God on the inside of you. Jesus is your Lord. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside. Amen. And so much of the work of the kingdom is to be happening through you out there. Glory to God. We gather together at the Lord's direction and it's a supernatural thing. God has assigned every one of His children to a specific family. Amen. We're all the, the family of God in every church. But God assigns us to a specific household of faith. And I've taught you this already, you'd have to go back and get it, but the local church is a place of flourishing. When you plant yourself, you're, you know, you'll flourish. Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 3, Psalm 92. When you get yourself planted in the church and you are receiving properly in the local church, every area of your life will come up. Amen. And for decade after decade, you could look at Dr. Harold Schultz and his wife Suzanne and see the fruit of what God does in a life in a family, who plants themselves faithfully in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. In so many of us, God has made wonderful examples. Here in Matthew chapter 16, this is our golden text. Jesus asked His disciples a very important question. In verse number 15, He said, But who do you say that I am? And of course, I have to be careful. I could get diverted really easy. But you know... Every single human being's eternity swings on how they answer that question. Who do you? No one's saved based on my answer. 
You know, Karen's not saved because I answer, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God, you're the, you're the King of kings, Lord of lords, my Savior, my Lord. She's not saved because I said that. Every human being, amen, has got to answer that question. So if you answer, yeah, he's a good man, well, that's not going to get you there, is it? Amen. So it's a very important question. And Simon Peter stood up and gave an answer. He said, thou art the Christ, you are the Christ, which means the Messiah, uh, Israel's um, you know, anointed one and Savior, Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that you are Peter, and upon this rock. Now, Peter's not the rock. The rock he's referring to upon this rock, the revelation you just spoke, the answer you just gave, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that revelation, I will, what will he do? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it hallelujah now when he those words the gates of hell will not he's not saying the gates of hell will not prevail against the building that stands at 3250 steel road the building the church house is a tool and a blessing that belongs to the kingdom but the church is the people inside. What Jesus is really saying is the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against Jerry because he's a living stone, an individual member of the house of God, and hell can't prevail against him. <laughs> Come on. Or Tony or Stasia or Marilyn or any of us who are born again. Isn't that wonderful? And people wonder, what is Jesus doing? What is he doing? What is he passionate about? Well, what did he say? I will build my church. Now, again, he wants us, he gave us the assignment to build a building. If they're tools, they're wonderful. We need them. And there's more to come. Hallelujah. But the building's not any more special than maybe an airplane that belongs to the ministry or, you know, the computer that belongs to the ministry. They're just tools. Necessary tools. But when he says, I will build my church, he means I'm going to build you. I'm going to build your life. That's what Jesus is passionate about. Edifying you. And everything that pertains to you. God just seemed to be giddy with me this morning. I don't know. He's just a wonderful father. And he was just like, I, I, I just, you just heard my mom. I love you, son. I'm interested in you. How are you doing today? I'm like, I don't always hear you like that today, Father, but that's just kind of awesome. Thank you. I'm doing good. Good morning. <laughs> but he is passionately interested in you and every single one of you. Amen? And he's passionate about those who don't know him yet. Those who are living like God's their enemy, he is still passionate about them. I was once that guy. I, all right? I used God's name as a cuss word. I was not interested in his house, his things, him. Until one day, his love got a hold of me. Amen. And he turned my life around. So see, Jesus said, I will build my church. And so, you know, every time that you make a step towards God, every time that you gain some ground in renewing your mind, 
becoming more Christ-like, making changes, growing up in spiritual things. You know what that is? That is the progress of the Lord building His church. And so every time you cooperate with God and you allow God to move your life more in a direction that looks like Jesus, His church is stronger. His church is more complete. And you and I see... We ought to be passionately interested in, being, in cooperating with God in His passion, which is to build up people. When you come to new members class, if you've been, you remember that there are three mandates on my life as, and my wife and our family uh, that God gave me in prayer over this church. The first one that He gave me, and it's paramount in my thinking, is to equip God's people for life and service, to appropriate all that God has made available to them and to equip them to walk out the wonderful, unique, divine call that's on their life. And so you just have to know that about this church. What's this church like? We are an equipping church. That's the mandate. That's my mandate. That's what lights my fire. That's what gets me up in the morning. Amen? I want to do whatever I can do, whatever small part I can play. Amen? To help you as others have helped me get my mind renewed. Get my marriage on the right track. Have kids that love God. That I'm not sick anymore. I'm not broke. I have money coming in. I live, in, I live under the, God, uh, the hand of God's divine protection. Oh my gosh, I'm so far from perfect. But I've, I've learned a little bit because I had teachers. And I've had pastors. Amen. That expounded the truth to me. Amen. And every time I accepted that, glory to God, the church was built up. Every time you witness to someone and they come into the kingdom, guess what? The church just got built. The church just got stronger. The church just got added to. And like I said, every time you change or every time you help, you, you uh, minister in a children's class or, or you, you help me with teaching or you have good Bible-based conversation and, and you're helping people come up. And, and they're living more like the Word, and they're acting more like the Word, talking more like the Word, living their lives more like the Word. Then the whole church, the body of Christ, is being edified, built up, more glorious, less spots, less blemishes. You with me in this? Hallelujah. This is what the Lord is, is endeavoring to do. This is what He's passionate about. Amen. You know what God is doing in the earth? He's doing through the local church. And I know the church, I'm talking about the church world, I know the church has problems. For years I've said, oh man, the, the church is the wild, wild west out there. And there's a lot of junk in the church. There's a lot of compromise, there's a lot of worldliness, there's a lot of things wrong. But in the midst of it all, Jesus is committed to His church, He loves His church, He's praying for His church, He died for the church, and that's you. Amen. And we ought to be passionate as He is passionate toward the upbuilding of the church in every way, in every single way. You and I should not be content to just be a, a, just a selfish recipient of the ministry of the kingdom, but we should want passionately to be used in some way to the upbuilding of the church. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I'm going to do this. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians before we get into the meat of something. It's uh, something that I kind of a loose end from last week's message. 
that we, uh, we talked about. We talked about the helps ministry, didn't we? And that every single person is called to a ministry office. Amen. And this has not been emphasized as it should have been. You know, we, we, we cheerlead and we exalt, you know, the people that are, that are up front. You know, pastors and teachers, evangelists and public ministers, right? And uh, we have our part. We have a critical part. We have an important part. Amen? But uh, we're not the only ministry office. Right? I view it this way, that Jesus gave five ministry gifts to the body of Christ when He was raised from the dead. He said, I, I've given the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Right? So if that's represented by the five fingers, you know what the helps office is? The helps ministry? It's the hand that holds up the fingers. See, without the hand. See, I can't function in my ministry gift without a whole lot of help. You know, and think about it, the only reason this moment happens is because enough of us cared enough to come, to show up, right? And that many prepared during the week. Uh, and uh, just bless me, just, just people helping. People helping. If you've got little ones and they're being ministered to and loved on in a safe environment in the back and you're able to be focused and open and receiving, aren't you blessed this morning? That's not a babysitting service back there. We endeavor to love on minister in age-appropriate ways to their kids, but we also want you to be undistracted, as undistracted as possible. Does that help or not? See, without that help, and maybe your, your mama's, I've, you know, this lady's done it when our kids were small. I'm in the service receiving. But uh, mama's out in the hallway or back at the hotel room, you know, for whatever reason. But so when those children's ministers are back there and she's able to be in the service, well, only then, then and only then, does that ministry that's coming to her matter. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to turn there, you're in 1 Corinthians 11, that we cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. That's what Paul said by the Spirit. We, we cannot say to the, to the leg or to the arm or to whatever member of the body of Christ, I don't need you. And if you ever feel like that, I'm unneeded, I'm unnecessary in the church. Listen, I don't care if you're the pinky nail on the pinky toe of the left foot, the body of Christ. How many of you are willing right now to be without? Where are my pliers at? How many of you, if I went for that pinky nail on the pinky toe of your left foot, you, it'd become real important to you. Every member of the body of Christ is needed and necessary and should be valued. Amen? should be appreciated. Hallelujah. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in um, verse number, that's why I'm on the wrong page here. Verse number 28, Paul said, but let a man examine his neighbor. No, it says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So he's talking about the Lord's Supper. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation, that's an unfortunate word, it's really condemnation to himself. 
Now notice that last phrase, not discerning the Lord's body. Now there's a twofold interpretation, I believe, to this meaning. The first and the primary is, of course, related to the Lord's Supper. Right? The bread, the symbol of the bread or the cracker, represents the body of the Lord. And we need to discern what's available in that body. Why? What's the bread represent? Well, life, of course. But really, it goes back to the first Passover. Uh, the broken bread represents the dying, roasted flesh of the lamb that they were instructed to eat. And when they ate the roasted flesh of the lamb, they were healed in their body of whatever they, disease they had. Therefore, when they walked out of Egypt, the Bible says in Psalm 105, they walked out and there was none feeble among their tribe. They all walked out well, healed on their own power. So we need to discern when we take communion what is available in the symbol of the bread. Healing for your body. Healing for your body. Then we need to discern the representative of the, cup, the juice that represents the blood that purchased the new covenant and all that that means. But the dual purpose, the secondary purpose or interpretation of this phrase, not discerning the Lord's body, is, don't forget, we are the body of Christ. Is that not right? The church is the body. He's the head. We are the body of Christ. And we need to discern, properly understand, perceive the Lord's body, its preciousness, and our place in it. Are you all with me? Now it's important that you get that so that we can go on and read. Not discerning the Lord's body. Look at verse 30. Uh, praise God. For this cause. Does your Bible say anything different? For this reason. Are there causes why things happen? Are there reasons why things happen in people's lives? Oh yeah, the reason is it's all up to God. No. No, no, no. No, sweetheart. Look at this. Not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. So in this case, for what, for what cause? For what reason? Not discerning the Lord's body. See, there's a consequence for failing to discern the Lord's body. Are you with me? Amen. Well, what is that consequence? For this cause or for this reason, many, not a few, Ricks, many are what? They're weak. And then what? Sickly is what the King James says. If you study that word sickly, it means prone to sickness. Prone to sickness. And do you see how that works? If you don't discern the healing that's available when you take of the bread, you'll never receive of it. And for that reason, many don't receive their healing. Because what we've had preached to us from the pulpit is the power that's in the cup. And no real revelation about what's in the cracker. What's represented in the broken body of Jesus. By His stripes we were healed. So there's a reason why many of us are weak and sickly, prone to sickness. Hello? And it graduates to even a greater unfortunate situation. And what is the last word? And many sleep, which is a nice King James way of saying to die premature. The word sleep in the Greek means to die prematurely. Isn't that interesting? So if the Greek definition, the uh, text was originally authored, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Greek, and the Greek meaning means to die premature, does that mean that everybody dies on time? Isn't that a religious cow that we've had in the body of Christ? If someone dies, that means God called their number? But is it, how do you interpret that in the light of this verse? And don't take my word for it. 
There's free Strong's Concordance apps. Just download them. Instead of Donkey Kong, look up a Greek definition for free and you'll find out that I'm telling you the truth. The word means to die premature. So some people in the body of Christ, they die before their time. And I could give you 15, 20 more scriptures that would illustrate that not everyone who goes to heaven goes to heaven on time. Now when you go like Brother Harold and you live with 83, is that right? 80. 80. Hallelujah. Long, full life. He's qualified to go to heaven. 86. And it was so sweet. You guys came in and said, my mama is telling me she is ready to go. We just changed our prayer. We said, Father, we're ready for the heavenly elevator. Come get her. And he did. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But can I just say boldly to you? With 25 years of Bible study under my belt, doesn't make me anything, but I put a few hours in, that's what I'm telling you. Is that uh, if, if someone went to heaven at 30, they went premature. Psalm 91 verse 16 says, with long life. Doesn't mean people are bad. Right? Doesn't mean people are bad. Doesn't, I've had really, oh man, I tell you stories story, don't have time. I told this too. Well, I won't even go there, but I... <laughs> I just preached some of this stuff, and man, I got religious devils stirred up. They were mad at me. I thought they were going to take up stones in the church parking lot. Because basically what I told them was their loved one, that it was on them, and they, they had comforted themselves in the lie that it was for some unknown cosmic divine reason that God took them. There's other ways to be comforted. We should not be okay being comforted in a lie. Because the problem is that when preachers get up and they don't know nothing, they're at the funeral and little Johnny's sitting there and daddy died at 40 of a heart attack and the preacher says, don't worry son, God took your dad. Well, I'd be mad at God if I was 12 because I still wanted to go fishing. I needed my dad. And unknowingly in an attempt to comfort someone with a lie, we turn an innocent heart against God by not telling them the truth that the thief is the one who steals and kills and destroys. And if you're angry, son, it's okay to be angry. Just be angry at the devil. And be comforted by the Holy Ghost. And the truth that he's in heaven and wouldn't come back if you offered him a million earthly dollars. That makes sense. That wasn't in my notes, but that's good. I'm not even going to charge you for that. You know, we should not be okay being comforted in a deception or a lie. Amen. But my point is, this loose end I'm trying to tie off is that it's important in this secondary reason we are the body of Christ, right? We must examine ourselves. We must uh, think about this. We, we must uh, discern the Lord's body or we're going to open ourselves up to for this reason we could become weak. We can become prone to sickness. We could die premature because we didn't discern the body of Christ right. See, when you do anything to harm the local church or to harm the body of Christ, you're not discerning the Lord's body. And you open up the door to the devil. Or another one, when you just neglect your part in the body, you don't pray for the body. You don't bring a supply of help to the body. You let it, you're content to let everybody else do the work. 
I don't mean to re-preach last week. <laughs> you see what I mean? You're not discerning the Lord's body. Because you're, maybe you're a finger, but you're not being the finger. And so we're fingerless at World Harvest Church. And we could really use that finger functioning. Amen. A lot of church, if I had a mannequin, a lot of church, I'd be taking parts off that mannequin. And you wonder why the church is so dysfunctional. Right. It's not the pastor's fault. The pastor can't be the mouth and the eye and the brain and the heart and the lungs and the kidney and everything else and that's needed in the body of Christ. You know, when I, when I try to help too much in natural things here at the church, I get rebuked. I remember the Lord telling me, stay out of the helps ministry. You are not anointed for the helps ministry. You're hurting because you're not in your office praying, studying, preparing to pastor and feed to people. Other people are anointed for that. It's not a diminished work. I'm not above it. But we have to discern our place. And he was like, if you don't get this right, because I love to serve. I love to be in the trenches. I, I love to help out. But I wouldn't be discerning my place in the Lord's body. Are y'all getting this? You know, Jesus Christ, I'd be, again, liars go to hell. But Dr. Dufresne told me, I wasn't there, but Dr. Dufresne told me this, and I know the man, and the man wasn't lying. He said he was on a platform holding a meeting, and all of a sudden a cloud began to come out of the organ that the lady was playing. And out of this cloud, as the cloud formed, out of the cloud came this big foot. And out of the foot stepped Jesus onto the platform. And there was only one. The organ player, I think, is the one that witnessed Jesus also. Nobody else saw. They just saw the cloud. And Jesus stepped up to Dad Dufresne and said, You are not using your anointing I gave you skillfully. And stepped back into the cloud and disappeared. And left him on the platform with nothing to, like, Oh my gosh, what do I do now? I just got rebuked. Amen. And so they got in the car after the service, and Pastor Nancy was sitting by him. And, of course, he's pouty now. He's like, I got rebuked. I had a vision of Jesus, and I got spanked. Mm -hmm. You know, you think he's going to show up and pet you and tell you how wonderful you are. <laughs> and Pastor Nancy goes, well, I, I didn't see him, but I know, you, I know he said something to you. What did he say? I'm not going to tell you. And, <laughs> and she goes, uh, well, I'm your wife. We're one, in this, you know, we're one together. You need to tell me. Well... Jesus said, I'm not using the anointing on my life skillfully. And she goes, oh, I could have told you that. <laughs> Thank God for a good wife, right? <laughs> if you didn't hear that, you didn't need to. Something about husbands needing to listen to their wives. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And so he did not know what Jesus was talking about. So he's laying there in his hotel room, and Jesus didn't reappear to him, but the Holy Ghost came and said, I've come talk to you about this. He goes, I'm sure glad you are. He said, what about it? And the Spirit of God said, you advertise for this meeting on flyers, prayer for the sick every night. And he goes, Yeah. He goes, I have not called you to a ministry of praying for the sick. I gave you a tangible healing anointing that flows out to the sick, and it's different. You know, and it sounds like you're splitting hairs, right? But apparently in spiritual things, it matters. He didn't have a ministry praying for the sick. He had a ministry of laying hands on people and transmitting healing power to heal the sick. If you're not sure about the scriptural on that, scripturalness of that, just read your Gospels. 
Jesus didn't pray for the woman with the issue of the blood. Physical contact was made with the cloak of his garment and the power of healing was on him flowed out of her and healed her body. And the Spirit of God said, you ought to be glad I rebuked you about this because had you gone this direction, you'd got off out of my will and you'd have been dead before you were, and he gave a date. Dead premature. Why? These things are serious. And the higher you're called, the less room for error you have. So if you're not called to what you would think is a higher office, be glad. But we all need to be skillful with the basic things that relate to the body of Christ. And the Lord gave me three things that He expects of every church member. And He said, in exchange for these three things, I'll elevate every aspect of their life and family. Amen. He said, number one, they need to attend. Number two, they need to help. And number three, they need to tithe. Now see, that doesn't sound too difficult. And God says, in exchange for that, have a job in the church, attend regularly and tithe, help out financially. And God will take that and He'll elevate every aspect of your life. Amen? So, can you give me about five more minutes, maybe? i got to at least give you the, punt, the uh, introduction to what I was going to teach today. You know how it goes. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. It's all good anyway. Hey, I don't come to preach my notes. I come to let God have His way, right? What He wants to say is always better than my notes. Amen. So let's invest another minute here. And I want to give you, the title of my message was, amen, the devil's worst nightmare. You know the local church, if we do it right, we are the devil's worst nightmare. Amen. And uh, the... uh, the bottom line punchline of the teaching I was going to get, we'll just have to come back and elaborate on it, is, is that for a local church, for the body of Christ at large, to be what God wants it to be, uh, for us to flourish and thrive, there must be unity. There has to be unity. Without unity, the devil will be able to defeat the church. Well, you said the gates of hell. Well, the church has got to be right. Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself shall not stand, including the church. And you've been around, I assume, right? Most, most people when I say, is this the first church you've ever been to? Oh, no. No. Right? And we've heard the nightmare stories, right? Politics. Deacon boards going rogue. Pastors going rogue against deacon boards. Wars being fought over carpet color. Paint color. Come on, don't act so holy. You know. One group in the church mad at another group in the church. Church break apart. God's plan for that body, God's plan for that household of faith is thwarted. Because of a lack of unity. You know, this moment could not happen unless enough of us decided to get out of bed. And get in the car. And the only way I have a ministry 
this next week is if y'all decide to do that again twice next week. You know what I mean? And at any given moment, and whole churches with tremendous divine plans from heaven of how God wanted to use that church to build His kingdom and bring the glory on a city or a region is totally undone because one or two people decided they were going to destroy it because they're ticked off about something. And that's not discerning the Lord's body. So going forward, we have a healthy church. And again, most of the time in new members class, I try to say this, you can have a lot of problems. And, you know, people come here with problems, and that's what, right? That's what we want. That's what God wants. We come here to have our problems corrected. But if there is something that will get you booted from this fellowship, it will be sowing discord. In our, co- you know, in our, we ask you, it's just an honor thing, but we make a covenant with each other. People that join the church. And one of the things that we ask a promise is, is that you will do your part with the rest of us to protect and guard and defend the unity of our fellowship. We do not gossip. We do not backbite. We do not talk down other church members to other church members. Under the guise of, well, I care about them, let's pray. No. I understand how all that goes. Amen? We must, God has a great plan for this church. I'm so excited about what, we've, what has happened, but what is going to happen, where God is going to take us. But we must beware of Satan's, he's been so successful in other churches, right? In just totally blowing up and thwarting and hindering the plan of God in that church through division. We have got to stay together. And if we will come together and stay together, there is nothing we cannot do with God. Nothing, nothing. We've changed this city. And this goes beyond, you know, God wants the churches to come together. What, and that's, that's the devil's worst, worst nightmare. If the church finally woke up and just stopped caring about being Baptist, stopped caring about being Catholic, stopped caring about being Word of Faith, stopped caring about being non-denominational and just came together under one name, one banner. You know, there's so many, even as messed up as the United States is, if all the Christians got together, if we got together, we vote in who we want and demand what we want, and if you don't do it, you're done. And we, we get every law that we don't like undone. We get every regulator out of there we don't like. See, we're the devil's worst nightmare, but he's been so successful keeping us segregated, keeping us broken apart. Oh, but if we would come together. Think of what we could do. Think of what we could build. Think of what we could accomplish. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. But we have to have unity. A healthy church cannot be healthy without unity. Look at something Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. My five minutes are gone. The doors are unlocked. I'm not going much longer, but I am going to read these scriptures. And I won't be offended if you need to go, okay? All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That's, I don't have time to preach on that. It's such a strong word. It's basically saying, the Cody translation would say, I beg you with all that I am. Uh, I beg you with all that I am that you would walk or live worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now he describes this with all what? 
lowliness, that's humility, and meekness, that's humility and gentleness, with, I like this word, you probably don't, long-suffering. My flesh doesn't like it either. Forbearing one another. You know what that word forbearing one another means? It literally means putting up with one another. How's the church going to stay together? You're going to have to put up with me. And I'm going to have to put up with you. And the only reason we've gotten as far as we have is because you've been willing to do that. You know, and I thank you for that. It's the only church I ever pastored. I was trained. But if you've never pastored, you've never pastored. And I showed up and was given a wonderful congregation, 28 and a half years old. And you all have put up with me and helped me grow and helped me develop. How'd you do it? You just came and didn't leave. And you gave God a chance over time. And listen, please still do that because I've not arrived. <laughs> you knew that too, right? I have not arrived. I make mistakes. I have. And, uh, but on the other side of it, has pastor put up with? We, have sweet we do have a sweet church. But the only way we're going to stay sweet and when God doubles the, our size on Sunday morning, guess what that is? A whole lot more opportunity to have to stay sweet. When some new person got here before you and got your chair. <laughs> right? How many know we don't play that around here? But I mean churches have split from doctrinal disagreements to carpet color disagreements. It's just sad. That's why we don't have a carpet choosing committee. We've saved, so, we've had so much peace. She picks it out. We like it. We, don't, we just pray for her, right? Pray for Pastor Amber. If she picks a color we all like. And if you don't like, just stay around a while. It'll change. Who leaves the church over paint color? The hell. Yielded to the devil. So I like this word. He's saying that. Part of walking a Christian life, living a Christian life worthy of a Christian life means putting up with each other. Nobody here has reached Christ-like perfection except Tony Southard. I mean, that's his <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> and he don't want that label. <laughs> Amen. So, praise God. Then look at this. Forbearing one another with bitterness? With resentment? No, with love. With love. And then verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the what? The unity. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I'm not going to take you to Genesis. I'm not going to take you to Psalm 133. But you remember that Tower of Babel deal? God looked down on them. And they were doing something he didn't plan. He was doing something, they were doing something he didn't approve of, but they had something. They were unified. And they were saying the same thing. And God said, the people are one. And they, they have the same speech. Therefore, nothing they imagine shall be denied them. And these were ungodly people following an ungodly plan. 
think about the principle and how we could apply that to God's plan. If we unite together and say the same thing, think the same way about where we're going, what we want to accomplish, and we have one heart, one mind, one voice, there is nothing that could be denied us. Hallelujah. But I want to close with this thought, is this word endeavoring. This word endeavoring. And uh, I found uh, the Greek definition for this in my Spirit-Filled Study Life Bible. And this is what it means. This is our final thought here. The word to endeavor. And who's supposed to be endeavoring? All of us. When we come to church, all of us should come endeavoring to keep. That word means guard, protect the unity. Amen? So this word means to exert yourself. So how do we each do our part to keep the unity? You have to exert yourself. You have to put forth effort to not be put out with pastor or your team leader or the way we do things. Right? Now, unity does not mean that Philip has to agree and that we have to have the same opinion about everything. Right? That'll never happen. Everybody having the same opinion? That's not unity. But unity means deciding to agree on the highest and important thing. Our mission, our call, our call to each other, our bond, our covenant. Amen. And uh, so it means to make effort, to give diligence, to make haste, to be zealous. And I like this. To endeavor in the Greek means to strain every nerve. So listen, not if, but when, Pastor Amber gets on your nerves. Is that a call to leave the church? If your feelings get hurt, not if, when your feelings get hurt. To endeavor to protect the unity does not mean I'm going to pack up my stuff and just go. And that's what people do. And they break unity with this congregation, then they break unity with another congregation, and they break unity with another congregation. Are you willing to stay after the newness of the church wears off? When you begin to see flaws and blemishes and imperfections and we're not perfectly organized yet and there's holes in the system and whatever. And then the devil starts whispering in your ear, they don't love you. They forgot all about you. Pastor didn't talk to you in the hallway. And he does the same thing to me. They didn't show up. They don't care about you. They don't care about church. They're all... It does the same thing. Are we going to fall prey to these devices of the enemy? It's happened to you. It's happened to me. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. It's our job. If our nerves are strained, that's called endeavoring to keep the unity. We have to exalt and adhere to the plan of God and the call of God. If God, God really called you here, God really called you here, don't break rank. Don't leave. Because your coffee was cold. 
right, or whatever. Amen. Because I said something from the pulpit and it just flat pet your... Maybe you just need to put that shoe on. Sounds like it fits. We just really need... If we're going to have God's plan, we've got to grow up. Got to grow up. We, gotta, we can't be offended. And I have to approach my interaction and, and, and my relationship with you expecting to have to put up with some things while God's working on you. And I'm willing to do that. But, but I'd like that in return. Would that be all right? That you come to church, bless God, I'm armed, I am ready to put up with him. Because he's, God's not done working on pastor yet. I tell you what, if, if we treat all, everyone like that, if I afford that to Brother Russell, and I have, and he affords that to me, and he has, then we can continue on in a wonderful brotherhood. Church is family. It really is. Church is, and so everything that happens in your family, she's hurt me, I've hurt her. We're still together. Why? We're going to guard the unity. She puts up with me. I'll just, period. I'm not going to go in. I got to go home with her. I get to go home with her. Amen. Let's stand up on her feet today. Are you glad you came? I tell you again, visitors and guests, check your hearts. Check your hearts. I don't know if you're just blowing through town or if you're in search for a, a church. Maybe, maybe we're not it, but if the Spirit of God were to say, you found it, just know we, we ain't perfect. But uh, I tell you what, th there's a plan that's unfolding, and we've just begun to make our mark on the world. Amen? Hallelujah. Is that right, Judah? God added Judah. God added the Gutierrez family to us. Amen. Hallelujah. God said, they got a row that needs filling. Let's call the Gutierrez family over. Uh, precious everyone. Amen. And the way you thrive in this place is you show up and you act like you've been here forever. That's how you do it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you.